First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, if you can join me, please. Um, yeah, so First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20. And when you have it, if you can let me know. Amen. All right, are you there? Verse 20, let's read it. Uh, it says, no, not at all. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons. I know, see, we're taking a whole different turn here. Not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons, too. What? Do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think that we are stronger than he is? You say, that's Paul saying, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. And Paul says, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a believer asks you uh, home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by someone else, what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And you should imitate me. I know in some versions this is the next chapter, but in, in my version it's, there's a 34. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Amen? Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We thank you for this time of joy, this time of just coming together to fellowship and enjoy uh, the people that you've formed here, God. We thank you for this family, God. In Jesus' name, speak to us, Lord. Uh, use your word to speak to our hearts, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians here, and he, uh, he's offering some advice to them. But first what he does is uh, he starts to set a standard of morality, Amen. He sets a standard of like what's good and what's right and what the people should do as far as this. There's a principle here and we'll get to it. But this whole concept of eating meat that is sacrificed to idols. This is the example that he's using. Amen. So he's he's a father. He's a he's an apostle. He's a pastor. And he is setting the standard of morality for the church of Corinthians. Uh, God says, for example, in his word, he always sets morality. He says, come out from them and be ye separate. 
Amen. Be holy for I am holy. These are words that God says to his church and his people. He also says you are my special people. He says you're my special people. Jesus said you are, uh, you know, you're not of this world. You may be in it, but you're not from this world. Amen. So be separate from this world. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. So Apostle Paul is setting some moral standards here in a heavy, heavy cultural world. This like Corinthian world was was a heavy cultured world. It was very influential in the times that they were living in. The Corinthians were a monotheistic culture, meaning they had many gods. They didn't just have one God. They didn't worship just one God like the Jews. They worshiped a bunch of gods. Amen. And over, over these worship, uh, you know, of idols, they had a lot of ways that they would worship these idols. And it was an over-sexualized environment. Uh, and worship to other gods was common, of course. The type of worship they did was animal sacrifice. They did sexual worship. And also they offered goods to idols. They, they presented fruit or, or, or sacrifice, animals, whatever, to, to certain idols. It was common to see someone have spiritual powers in, 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 in the Corinthian world, in this world. It was, it was common to see someone that was psychic, someone that had, you know, that was a medium, someone that, 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 that cured people. It was common to see this. There was a young lady that was following Paul around, and, and she was saying true things. She would say, these are men of God. These are, they're preaching the good news. And actually, it was a demon speaking within her about the truth. And this was common in the world of the Corinthians. And this is what the church has to deal with. They have to both engage this world. World. In other words, they have to kind of like go after people and love on people, both engage the world and also be separate from the world. And that's really difficult. And we know that that's difficult even in our time. Amen. It's difficult for us to engage the world sometimes, but also be separate from it because there's a lot of blurred lines. We don't know like what to do sometimes because culture has so invaded our minds and our churches that we have blurred the lines between what's of the world and what's of the kingdom. Amen. And this is what the church here is dealing with. And so Paul is setting the standard of morality. He says, I don't want you eating this meat that is sacrificed to idols because eating this meat is like eating at the table of demons. And I don't want you to drink from the cup because drinking from that cup is like drinking from the cup of demons, he tells them. And so he sets the moral standard of what's right and what's good because he's want, he wants to protect the people. He's not telling them to disengage from the world and completely disconnect and hate everyone. He's just telling them that there's certain things that we can't touch and put our hands on because they're going to affect us in the long run. Amen? And so he's setting this, and, and, and the church has to both be separate and engage, and this is the balance that we live. For such a long time, the church has only wanted to be separate. I only wanted to point fingers. And we had no engagement. The world doesn't work the same anymore. We don't have the same culture anymore. It's not 1975 anymore. It's 2017. And people are engaged in different ways now. And we don't have to change the gospel. We don't have to change the Bible. But we might have to change our approach. 
but at the same time remain holy and live holy lives. So this is a difficult task for us, and we have to learn. We have to be wise. We have to be okay with using different, uh, you know, different ways to engage the culture. We have to be okay with that. And sometimes it's difficult even for me. I'm old school. I know I don't look it. I look very young. But I'm old school. I grew up in an era in church where I couldn't dress like how I'm dressed today. That's what I grew up in. If I had my shirt tucked out, I couldn't go to church. Even though I wanted to go to church, which was weird as a kid, but all my friends were at church. I had no friends at school because the school was the world. So I grew up in that. So I understand. Sometimes when I see things that I don't vibe with, I'm like, I don't like that. But I, I, can't, I can't like condemn or I can't separate myself. I still have to go to work and make money. I still have to engage. I have to be around people. I have to be friendly. I can't disconnect. I can't go to the caves. We're not Al-Qaeda. We're the kingdom of God. We have to invade darkness. But we also have to live holy and be separate. And that's what Paul is trying to communicate in this passage. And I want to learn with you today. I want to communicate this to you today. Because both you and I have the task of living in this world, both to engage it, but also to live separately from it. And that's a difficult task sometimes. Paul ends with this question. Verse 22, he says, what? Do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than he is? In other words, you know, he, he's using strong language, but what he's saying is, at the end of the day, are we considering God in our choices? Are we, like, if we make a choice, we decide to do something, just, it might even seem normal. Are we considering the repercussions that those choices may have? Are we considering God? And that's what Paul is saying. Do you dare to, to basically tempt God? The more you touch darkness, the more you touch sin, and you don't allow yourself to submit yourself under the grace of God because he set you free from sin. You are free from sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. But the more you go back to darkness, the more you touch darkness, the more it's going to affect you. And do you want to tempt God? Because God, what he does, and this is, I'm going to have to go here, but I didn't want to. I don't know why, but I, I was reading 1 Timothy and, and, and chapter 1, and Paul tells Timothy, I, mean, I need you to go to the church of Ephesus, and I need you to stop those men from preaching that stuff that they're preaching, because that stuff that they're preaching is not right. They're talking about, you know, circumcision and the law and these myths and genealogies. The people don't need to learn about that. They need to learn about the grace of God. And so Paul tells them, I had to, I had to let these two men, I forget their name, they had strange names. I had to let these two men, I had to release them to Satan. Because they were blaspheming the name of God. They were preaching certain things that, that weren't right. And so when Paul, when, as I meditated on that, when Paul says, I release them to Satan, Paul doesn't, that doesn't mean that you pray, Lord, I release these two men to Satan. That doesn't make any sense. So what Paul does is he basically has to let go. See, as a pastor, I, I, I have the privilege to try to intervene in your life. When I see something, when it's going in the wrong direction, I have the privilege to say, hey, let me pray. Hey, what's going on? Hey, how are you? And I'm able to intervene. But there comes a point 
There comes a point where, where you make your choices. And I can no longer try to save you because I'm not the savior. And that's what letting go means. And so we have this culture clash in our lives where, where we, need, we need to engage culture. But we also need, need to live separately. I was at work and uh, I made a, a joke. Not a vulgar joke, just a, a regular funny joke. And uh, it was, they, they were doing some political commentary. And, uh, and, I, and I just said a joke just because, you know, po- politics conversations can get, you know, they're very fun, in other words. They're, they're beautiful. They're awesome conversations. That's a joke, guys. So I made a joke. I, I don't even remember what the joke was, and I kind of said it under my breath just to be funny. And, but they did hear me. Well, one person heard me, and, 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 uh, and the other person didn't. And she was the other person that didn't hear. What did he say? And they, they, we were laughing. And she's like, oh, he said F this and F that. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, in my head, no, I didn't. I could have just walked away. Let them believe that. Because it's, it's kind of awkward to say, I didn't say that. Because, you know, I don't really talk like that. I said this, and I cleared it up. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're, you're right. I added that. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Whew. Now I can tell my church about this experience. Most of the time when making choices in life, we've got to consider God in it because it has effects, eternal effects. Then, then Paul, I like Paul in this, in this conversation because Paul plays two parts, okay? So he plays the part of the pastor, the leader, and then he plays the part of the people. They're not necessarily responding to him in this moment because this is a letter that he wrote to the Corinthians. And so Paul is saying something, and then he talks for the people, okay? Just so you know, there's two characters here. So hopefully it'll make more sense because when I first read this, I was like confused a little. So it says, verse 23, you say... I'm allowed to do anything, meaning the people say, I'm allowed to do, any, to do anything. And then he says, but not everything is good for you. That, that's him responding to what they're saying. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. They repeat. And he says, but not everything is beneficial. This is the response that they have to the moral standard. Are you with me? He, he's, he just finished telling them. Don't eat with this and don't do this because the table of demons, blah, blah, blah. Their response, according to him, their response is, I'm allowed to do anything. This is their response. And I want you to capture that in your heart, in your mind. That's their response. Hey, I'm allowed to do anything. And, And Paul's response to that is, not everything is good. Although seemingly good, not everything is good. Do you know that simple things, simple things like, uh, like a sport can be an addiction. There's people that are addicted. I know nobody here, but there's people that are addicted to certain things. Not everything is good. Not everything is beneficial. Not everything is good, even though seemingly it looks good. There's no harm in it. In a sport, there's no harm. I'm, I'm just watching it. There's no harm in it, but it can, it, it, it can take over your life if you're not careful. That's why Paul says, 
not everything is good. What in your life has taken over? Is it God? I hope it is. I hope God has every inch and ounce of your life. I hope you're saturated by his presence and you're praying 24 hours a day. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. And so their response is, hey, I'm allowed to do anything. Don't, Don't bother me. I can do whatever I want. And his response is, not everything is good. People all over the world, including Christians, are concerned with one thing, themselves. And as Christians, we're called for more than that. It's okay. I understand it's important to self-care. And it's important to to be healthy and to take care of self. But there's a balance between selfish and selfless that we need to live. Some people's reaction to their pastor setting the standard of living and morality is, I am allowed to do anything, pastor. I can do whatever I want. Nothing affects me. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good. So their leader, Paul, in this case, tells them, not everything is good. Children, not everything is beneficial. Not everything is good. It seems good, but not everything is good. Paul is about to transition here. And this is where we will spend our time. In the next few minutes, he makes a statement which can be considered extreme, extreme by many. And he says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Now, listen, there's a balance here, okay? It doesn't mean you give and give and give and give and never receive. It's not talking about that. It's talking about their heart and the response of, I can do anything. What is a person saying when they say, I can do whatever I want, I can do anything? They're only thinking about themselves. And they're not thinking about what they, what, what they do affects others. The response, I can do what I want by the people, is a selfish response. And Paul discerns this. He knows this as a leader, as a pastor. He knows his people. He knows that this is selfish, but he wants to teach him. Someone that's worried just about that one thing themselves. They're worried about their fun, their food, their time, their own conscience, and their own feelings. Not a care in the world about someone else. And as a believer, as a Christian, we can't live like that. Because we live... We live with a purpose. That's to love God and to love others. So someone talking from a freedom perspective would say this, would would not say this, because someone with freedom actually cares for others. Amen? The second question Paul is alluding to here is, are we considering others in our choices? What we do, do we consider others with what we do? Not everything is good and not everything is beneficial. And our purpose is to love God and love others. But are we considering others with our choices, with our words, with our actions? And let the Holy Spirit guide you. You are a new creation. Amen? You are a new creature. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And now you can live an empowered life considering others. Just like Jesus lived. When we don't consider others at all, we miss the chance to be used by God. When we only consider ourselves and not God or others, we are, we are out of purpose to loving others. We are talking about matters of the heart and conscience here. What you do and what you say affects others. 
believe it or not. Let's talk about culture. Today's culture is no different. It's similar to that Corinthian culture, if not worse. Because now you have social media, the gift to the world. Social media is, is, it can be used for good and it's great. But it intensifies culture because now everyone has a voice. I was, I was watching a service today online, another church's service. I was watching their worship. And, and me and Cynthia laughed a little bit because of what they were wearing up there, right? Just being funny, don't judge me, okay? So they, one was wearing shorts, he's like a tank top, and they were just very chill. But, but the church was actually having an event the whole weekend. They called it Summerfest. And so they had like activities after service, and, and they were dressed in summer clothing. And when I saw it, I thought, well, this is, it's different than what I've seen them in before. So I was looking at the comments, and sure enough, someone took the liberty of putting a comment there. What kind of church is this that they let people dress like that? Don't they have respect for the altar of the Lord? And I was like, what gave you the the freedom? What gave you the whatever? To put this comment, you know that I want to put comments in different things. I want to put stuff on Facebook, but I don't do it because I consider others. Not just myself. There's things I want to go off on all the time, every day probably. But I don't because I consider others. This person took the liberty and the time. You wasted your time. It's not going to change anything. You just wasted five minutes of typing it in, then you had to correct it probably, and then you posted it, and you had to watch it post. You wasted your time. Everyone has a voice now, criticizing and putting each other down. The altar, the altar's in your heart. This is not an altar, this is called a stage, everyone. The altar is is in your heart. You must consider others. Must consider others. Someone, someone else's conscience, oh, I don't care. What if there was a, a new believer up there, or a new person that just started, and they go back home and see the comment there? Then you just affected their conscience. We must consider others when we do stuff. Even Christians condemn each other. Children of God acting like non-believers. Not considering the conscience of anyone else. Diving head first. Whatever Beyonce says, that's what we'll do. This is not about good vibes. This is about protecting others, loving others. Paul uses the example of going to dinner to an unbeliever's house. I love this example. Because what you think protecting a conscience is sometimes, sometimes protecting someone else's conscience is saying, no, I cannot partake. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's right. Being an example for them. And that's tough. That's tough for us sometimes because in our culture, so many things are accepted. Even in the church. It says... Uh, where is it? 
verse 27. Go with me to verse 27, please. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. You don't have to go, but you can if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you. Oh, yeah. Without raising questions of conscience. But suppose someone tells you, meaning the guy that invited you, hey, this meat was offered to idols. Don't eat it. Not for your own conscience. Out of consideration for their conscience. (laughs) Say no. Why? Because if I eat it, if I say yes, what I'm saying, this is okay to do. So we not only protect others with our actions, but we also with our no. I cannot partake in this because if I do in your conscience, you're going to think that I'm okay with this and God is not okay with this. Now, if I'm home alone with my family and our conscience is cool, I can have a glass of wine. But if I'm somewhere else and there's people there that don't even have a relationship with God and we're getting drunk together, that doesn't work. That doesn't work for Christians. It can't. How am I supposed to talk to you later about letting the things of the world go? Say no. I cannot partake in this. This is a very, very uh, touchy subject. Very touchy subject. There's some things that I can't go to. I'm sorry, I can't participate in that. You know, there's people that came out of alcoholism and come to the church. There's people that came out of homosexuality and come to the church. And so we have to be careful with our actions and what we put on social media, what we say, what we do is so important to protect other people's conscience. Amen? So he tells them, don't eat out of consideration for their conscience of the one who told you. It might not even matter to you. It might not even matter. It won't affect your conscience, but it is for the other person. So he, if he says, look, this meat was sacrificed to Zeus. I love Zeus. He's my God. Eat this meat. No, I'm sorry. I can't. Zeus is, no, I'm, I can't. I believe in Jesus, not Zeus. So that they don't think that you're okay with them worshiping idols. So that many would be saved, Paul says. And then they, again, he switches, he's, he's the pastor talking, the apostle, and then he switches as the person. So this next question is from the people. Verse 29, it might not matter, it might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. For why should my freedom, this is them, for why should my freedom, Paul, be limited by what someone else thinks? I want to be free, Kevin. I just want to do whatever because I shouldn't consider others like that's they're stopping my freedom. I want to do whatever. I can do anything. I could do it all. And Paul is saying, this is the question they're asking right after. He's saying, for why should my freedom be limited by by uh, someone else? What someone else thinks. If I can thank God, and then he says, if I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for it? You you hear what the people are saying here? I don't want someone's conscience to stop my freedom. 
Why should that stop my freedom? I'll just pray for the food, and it'll be fine. It won't condemn me. That's what they're saying, but they're still coming from a selfish perspective because the very next thing that Paul says is, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews. Don't give offense to people or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that they So that many may be saved. Purpose. Mission. Do you live with mission in your life? Or are you just living? Your mission in life. That many would be saved. That many would see and believe in Jesus. The will of the Father. Do you live life that way? Because if you do, then you're going to consider others. If you're around people that don't know God, that don't have a relationship with God, are you thinking, how can I get this person to fall in love with God again? Or are you just hanging out? We need to. Paul cares. I want to care like Paul cares. Hey, I please everyone with everything. It's not just about me. It's about others. And then he says, uh, let me answer this question. Why should, I, why should my freedom be subject to someone else's conscience because I consider others and I love people. You want people to be saved, amen? You want your family, the people around you? Then you got to start being the light. I know it's weird. You got to start being that sore thumb around people. Oh, oh, I'm sorry I cussed in front of you. I'm so sorry. I get that at work. Oh, I'm so sorry I cussed in front of you. No, it's fine. Do you. We got to walk like Jesus. And then Paul says, I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't, I don't just do what is best for me. I don't just do what is best for me, meaning he does do what's good for him. But not just that. I do what is best for others. Why? So that many may be saved. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Imitate your leaders. Follow your leaders in what they imitate Christ in. Try to find it. They have something. <laughs> Because, for example, Cynthia and I, not to boast, but we consider others. Sometimes a little unhealthy at times. Because we go, like, we consider everyone else except ourselves sometimes. And we're working on that. Because we're learning. But we consider others in our life. We've given up our life to consider others, to bless others, so that many would be saved. That's our goal, that many would be saved. That you would grow up to be a disciple of God, to make more disciples of God. That you would be equipped. That you would reach your potential and your destiny. We consider others. So sometimes we might not say some things. Sometimes we might not post some things. Because we're considering the person that just walked into church one day, met us, now added us on social media. And I'm putting all kinds of crazy things on social media. I consider others. And I want you to consider others. Think about others. Don't just think about yourself. Help where you can. Offer yourself for others. Paul is ending this conversation with the principle. The whole thing we've just talked about today is the principle. Here's the principle. Consider others, not just yourself. And everything that you do. Consider others. Consider where they come from. Sometimes people will hurt us. Will hurt Cynthia and I. 
And I'll tell Cynthia, that person's coming from a hurt place, though. So I still consider them. Like that person is hurt from childhood. So we have to understand where they're coming from. And that's tough to do sometimes. Amen. So there might be someone in this room that you have to consider. There might be someone in this very room that you have to go to today after church and bless their life, pray for them, love on them. And say we've disconnected or whatever it might be. Or let's connect. There might be someone in this room that needs to be considered. Maybe you're in that season that needs, you need to be recognized. You need to be considered and seen by someone. You're hurting inside. And someone needs to see you. Amen? All right, let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.